if I had to choose just one piece of music theory that I say everyone should definitely know, and I think there's more than just one, but if I had to pick just one, it would be understanding keys. So in this episode, we're going to be talking about the primary ways to figure out the notes of any major or minor key. Let's talk about it. Hello, friend. Welcome to another episode of the Songwriter Theory Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Joseph Adala. Honored that you're taking some time out of your busy day and week to talk songwriting with me. Glad the craft of songwriting is important enough to you to listen to a songwriting podcast when you could be listening to Rogan or Bill Burr's podcast or something like that. But (laughs) you're here instead. Means a lot to me. Glad that you care about songwriting uh, as much as I do. So if you haven't already, be sure to grab my free guide on the four pillars of music theory every songwriter needs to know because we're talking about the one single most important piece of music theory in this episode. But really, I think there are four pieces that overall are probably the 5% that get you at least half of the results. Um where there's a ton of music theory to learn. Not all of it is equally useful, for sure. Uh, Some of it is disproportionately useful in those four pillars, intervals, keys, chords, and context of keys, specifically. And chord progressions, I think, are sort of the big four. Uh, So grab that at songwritertheory.com slash musictheoryguide, because we're basically just diving deep into keys here. And if you were curious why there was no episode last week, It was not intentional. It just was a byproduct of uh, my wife and I's daughter was born a few days before the episode would have come out, and I had not recorded it ahead of time. And uh, so so there there was no episode. There's nothing more to it. I'm okay. I know sometimes I get emails that are like, are you okay when when an episode doesn't come out? Um, All is good. Um, Yeah, it's the best thing ever. Having a kid is the best thing ever already. It's only been like a week and a half. Anyway, enough about that. I know you're here for songwriting and not about my personal life. So let's talk about the primary ways to figure out the notes of any major or minor key. First way, this is the simplest way in the sense of you only have to memorize one thing and then you can apply that one thing to literally all of the major keys and then you memorize a slightly different thing and that works for all of the minor keys and this is memorizing how to figure out the notes of any major or minor key by steps so the first thing we have to talk about here is what steps are so we have first a half step which a half step is also known as a semitone and all a half step is is the next note either up or down And when we say the next note, we don't mean the next note in context of a key. We don't mean the next note in a scale. We mean the next note in the chromatic scale. So the next note, meaning up one fret on your guitar or down one fret on your guitar, or the very next white key or black key on piano, meaning whatever the next key is, right? So if you're at at F, then the uh, a semitone up or a half step up from F is not G, it's actually F sharp, because there's a F sharp in between F and G. That's all a half step is. 
literally and 12 tone music is just the next step. That's it. With the next note, rather. And then we have a whole tone or whole step, which you may have guessed if a half step is the next note, then a whole step would be double that. And you would be correct. It's literally just two half steps. So that would be going up or down two frets on guitar rather than one, or rather than going to the next key on piano, uh, the one after that. So using F as an example again, it would not be going just to F sharp, but to the next note after that, which would be G. So F to G would be a whole step, whereas F to F sharp would be a half step. And then um, another example would be, let's take E. E to F is actually a half step because there is no E sharp or F flat. Um, in fact, E sharp technically would be an F. We won't get, <laughs> we won't get into that here because it's not really that important, but there is no F sharp. If you look at a keyboard or whatever, there's this, I'm sorry, <laughs> E sharp. There is an F sharp for sure. Uh, there is no E sharp. So E to F would be a half step, whereas E to F sharp would be a whole step because E to F half step and then to F sharp would be a whole step. So that's all there is to half step and whole step. So how does that relate to keys? Well, for all major keys, every single one, starting with whatever the name of the key is, so C major, D major, A major, B flat major, doesn't matter. You can figure out all the other notes in the key if you just memorize whole, whole, half, whole, 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 half. That's it. A way that I've got myself to memorize it is just, and this is going to sound silly, and it may or may not work for you, <laughs> but literally just whole, whole, half, whole, 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 half, boom, that's it. <laughs> that, that little whatever that is, whole, whole, half, whole, 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 half, that's it. Every single major key. So just as an example, let's take G major. So G major, we start with G because it's called G major. And then from there, we said it's whole, whole, half, whole, 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 half, right? So a whole step from G would be going over G sharp, because it's a whole step, not just a half step, and then to A. Then it's another whole step. So from A, we skip over A sharp, because that would be a half step, and go to B. Then we have a half step. So from B, we would just go simply to C. There is no B sharp. The very next note after B is C. So the half step that we have would be from B to C. Then we have another whole step, so we go over C sharp to D. Then we have another whole step over uh, D sharp to E. And then we have another whole step, which is from, we're at E. So we have another whole step, which skips over F, because again, there's no E sharp, and to F sharp. And then another half step right back to G. So from that, we would, we would now know, oh, okay, G major has G, A, B, C, D, E, F sharp, and then back to G. And that will work for literally every single major key, whether it's B flat major, D flat major, E major, doesn't matter. Whole, whole, half, whole, 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 half. Works for everything. So if you just know the name of the key and it's a major key, now you can figure out all the notes going to take a little while. You're not going to know it immediately, but that's the pattern. And this is why if you're a guitarist, that every major scale or, or minor scale, which we're about to get to, 
um, which, which is the same as all the notes in a major key or minor key, you just memorize a shape. And then if you just move it up by one fret, it's, it goes from being, oh, that was C major. And now if we just go up by one fret and play the exact same pattern, it's now C sharp major. And then we go up by up one fret again. Now it's D major. Go up by a fret again, and we would have D sharp major, which isn't a real thing. So instead, we would call it E flat major because D sharp and E flat are the same, and E flat major is an actual key. So whole, whole, half, whole, 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 half. Whole, whole, half, whole, 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 half. That's all major keys. Then minor is whole, half, whole, whole, half, whole, whole. So let's apply that as well. Let's do B minor. So from B minor, we know we have a whole step first. So from B, a whole step would be skipping over C, there is no B sharp, and going to C sharp. Then from there, we know we have a half step. So we go a half step from C sharp would be D. And then we have a whole step, D skip over D sharp to E. And then we have another whole step, which would be going from E skip over F to F sharp. And then we have another half step where we go from F sharp just to the next note, which is G. And then another whole step to A, and then another whole step to B, back to where we started. And that is B minor. B minor is the same as D major for the key signature, has the same sharps, which happen to be F sharp and C sharp. Everything else is natural. So again, that whole half, whole, whole, half, whole, whole, that applies to literally every natural minor key. I probably should have specified that. This is natural minor. Uh, another way to memorize it, or if you get them mixed up, just know that when it comes to major versus minor, all you have to do is for major, if you just memorize that pattern, whole, whole, half, whole, 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 half, minor is basically just if you started with the second to last interval in major. So whole, whole, half, whole, 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 half. If you write that down and then you just take the second to last interval and start there, which would be whole and then half and then whole, whole, half, whole, whole. That is just minor. That's what it is. Uh, the reason that that works, by the way, is because always your major to minor is, so let's take C major. It's relative minor is A. G major's relative minor is E. Always, 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 the relative minor of a major key is simply built off of the sixth scale degree. So in C, if you just count up six, so C would be the one, D, two, E, three, F, four, G, five, A, six. That's your minor. In G major, you have G, one, uh, A, two, B, three, and then C, four, D, five, E, six. E minor is the relative minor of G major, which we're going to get to a little bit deeper in a second. So the other primary way, because steps is great, but it really is just when in doubt, 
if you can have one thing memorized that can can allow you to painstakingly figure out the notes of any key, it's that. Let's say you're taking a music theory test or something, and you have all the time in the world to complete it. That is like the one thing to memorize to rule them all, to really help you figure out any key. But when it comes to knowledge of keys needs to be practical, right? So we need to get closer and closer to the point of just implicitly knowing, oh, D major is this, right? When I sit at the keyboard, I don't think to myself, oh, D major, let me try to figure out the notes. No, I just know that D major has an F sharp and a C sharp. I don't really think about it anymore. Even these ways that I'm teaching in this episode, I, I don't think about them anymore actively. Uh, for most keys anyway. Some of the more obscure ones, <laughs> maybe I still do. Uh, like I don't do A flat major that much, so that one I still have to think about. But for most sharp keys and the more common flat keys like F, B flat, and E flat, uh, I don't really have to think about it anymore just because they're just memorized, which by the way, should be the end goal here. I'm not saying by the end of this episode, it just takes time, right? If, if you're used to improvising and playing in G major enough, eventually you just memorize that G major has one sharp and it's F sharp. And over time, as you're playing more and more, that should become more and more trivial uh, as long as you're paying attention. So the second primary way, which will be broken up into a, a really two different ways within this one way, is driven by the circle of fifths. So first thing that we need to cover is that C major, which has the relative minor of A minor, has no sharps or flats. We just have to memorize that. So just know C major or A minor, no sharps or flats. That's it. And everything is sort of built off of C major. From there, we have seven sharp keys and seven flat keys. And a sharp key is one that's defined by it has sharps in it and flat keys have flats in it. Super simple, right? And if, if, if you've done the math, you may be like, wait a second. We only have 12 tones in Western music. So how can there be seven plus seven, 14 different keys? Well, the reason is basically that there's just two keys in each that overlap D flat major and C sharp major, which D flat and C sharp are the same note, are the same. Just one is from a flat perspective, so it has flat notes, and the other one has sharps. Uh, G flat, F sharp, same thing, and then B and C flat, same thing. If you notice, all of those, the notes are technically the same. C flat, there is no real C flat, so C flat is the same as B. G flat is the same as F sharp. D flat is the same as C sharp. So because they're is overlap with three of them. What we actually get is one that is neutral, that's C major. We'll just talk in major for a moment here. So we have one that's neutral, C major. Then we have four flat keys and four sharp keys that don't have another name. So there is no other name for D major uh, as far as a major key. Um, so that brings us up to one plus four plus four, which would be nine, which leaves three left because there's only 12 total tones. And those three have a flat version as well as a sharp version, 
which for the most part, you don't have to worry about because those keys are all really, really rare anyway. Uh, it's very possible that unless you have done classical music, it's it's highly likely you've actually never played a song in C sharp major, D flat major, G flat major, F sharp major, uh, or C flat major, uh, B, B major, maybe. Maybe maybe B major, which is the same as C flat major. But anyway, you can memorize everything in terms of major keys and then just know that always, always, always the natural minor key that shares the exact same notes as the major key is always a minor third below the name of the major key. So let's talk about minor third for a second. This is an interval, by the way. So I, I mentioned to the music theory guide that intervals is the first thing we talk about. It's a deeper understanding of what we're about to talk about here. We'll keep it brief because we only care about minor and third in this case. But uh, the minor is what you would call a quality. And then third is the number. So the number is simply the number of letter names spanned going from one note to another. So C to C would be a first because we've spanned exactly one, one note, right? It's, it's just one. If we were to list out the notes we moved across, it was just one. Then C to B would be a second or a seventh if you're going up. But C down to B would be a second. C up to B would be a seventh. But from there, if we went down by two, Right, so C to B, and then the letter in the alphabet before B is A, that would be a third. Keep it real simple, let's start with A. A to B would be a second. A to C would be a third. A to D would be a fourth. It's literally just counting letters. If you know your alphabet from A to G, you're good. So that's all a number is. That's it, just the letter name. And then quality is what tells us the actual number of half steps. So a third down from C is always going to be A. C to C is a first. C down to B would be a second. C down to A would be a third. That's always going to be true. But what accidental that A has, whether it's natural or sharp or flat, is determined by the quality. So a major third is always going to be four half steps, which we already talked about half steps. So that'd be C down to B, down to B flat, down to A, down to A flat. That's four half steps, right? C to B, one. B to B flat, two. B flat to A, three. A to A flat is four. That's a major third. A minor third is simply one shorter. It's three half steps. So we would have C to B, is one half step. B to B flat is the second half step. And then B flat to A is our third half step. So from C, we know that a minor third, first of all, is going to be three half steps. And then by letter name, it's going to be two down because C to C is a first. Therefore, C to B second, C to A third, again, going down. And that's going to work for everything. Let's take A for a moment. So we know that down a third from A is going to be to the letter F because A down by one would be G and then G down by one 
more would be F. So we know that it's going to be some type of F to go down by a minor third from A. By nature of third, we know it must be an F. Then, when it comes to semitones, we know a minor third has, again, three half steps. So from A to A flat would be one half step. From A flat to G would be another. And then from G to G flat would be the third half step. But we said that it needs to be an F. So we wouldn't actually call it G flat. We would call it F sharp because we know that to be a third, it needs to be A down to F specifically. It can't be a G. That would be a form of a second. So instead, we would call it F sharp because F sharp is the same note as G flat. Anyway, all you need to know is what a minor third is. Down or up by two notes, in this case down, because we only care about going down, because always your minor is a minor third down from your major. So down by two letter names, and then three half steps, which we already covered what half steps are. So once you figure out a major, you can always figure out the relative minor. And then you can just do the opposite if you have a minor key and need to figure out the relative major. All right, now let's focus on major because we've covered from major how to always figure out the minor. There's basically two ways we're going to go about this. Both utilize the circle of fifths. One is for the sharp keys and one is for the flat keys. So for sharp keys, know that keys go up by a perfect fifth starting from C. Again, C is the neutral one that we always start with. So the next key up from C is going to be a perfect fifth above that. And there's, there's really two things to do with this perfect fifth information. One is to just memorize that a perfect fifth is seven semitones. And then we already covered what, what an interval is as far as the number, right? So fifth means if, if third was go down by two letter names, then, then a fifth up would be go up by four letter names. So C to D would be a second. E would be a third. F would be a fourth, which makes G a fifth. And then seven semitones. So perfect fifth, seven semitones. And then um, just memorizing how the actual number up part works, the fifth. Another way to remember this, though, is if you always know what your dominant is in the current key. So let's take C major. What's the dominant? What's the fifth? It's G, right? So if, if you know that C major has C, D, E, F, G, A, B, and you know the fifth is a G, always, 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 the next key is just going to be that note, that fifth. That's what a perfect fifth is because every major key has a perfect fifth. So from there, the next question is, okay, the next key adding a single sharp from C major is going to be G major, which we know because G major is a perfect fifth above C, which again, seven semitones, which I'm just going to repeat a lot, so hopefully you memorize it by the end of this episode. Seven semitones and up four letters. The sharp that's added is always one semitone below the key name. So C major, no sharps or flats. 
the next sharp key, we go up by a perfect fifth, which is G. What note is actually sharp, though? It's always going to be a semitone below the name. So G, what is a semitone below G? G flat, but this is a sharp key. So instead, we would call it F sharp. So C major has no sharps. We go up a perfect fifth to G. Then we add a sharp one semitone lower than G, which would be F sharp. So in G major, we have all the notes of C major, except we are replacing the F with an F sharp because we have that one sharp. Then from there, we can just go up a perfect fifth again, or the fifth scale degree of G major, which would be D. Again, just count up by four, starting with G. That's our first. So then two would be A, three would be B, four would be C, and then five would be D, and then seven semitones. For now, you can just <laughs> take my word that it's D natural. Uh, so D major is the next key, which adds another sharp. Always how this works is you're adding sharps. So you always have the sharps that you already had. So in the case of C major to G major, there were no sharps, right? Because we started with C major, no sharps. Then there's G major. We added an F sharp. So for D major, we keep the F sharp from G major. And then we add another sharp, which again is just a semitone below the name of the key. So D major, what's a semitone below D would be C sharp, which again, you could call it D flat, but D flat uh, is, is that, that would make it a uh, sharp key. So we call it C sharp. There's more reasons that we call it C sharp, but don't want to get into that here because that's getting into theory that is less useful, I think. Uh, but probably good to know long-term. But for now, we're going to concentrate on the stuff that actually matters. So D major adds a C sharp. So C major, no sharps. G major added an F sharp. So G major has one sharp and it's F sharp. D major has the F sharp from G major and then also adds a C sharp. Then from D major, again, we go up a perfect fifth, which is to A. So next is A major. Then the sharp that's added is we have the F sharp and the C sharp that are held over from G major and D major, and now we're adding a third sharp. Semitone below A, you probably know by now. G sharp, right? Because we're not going to call it A flat. These are sharp keys, so we're adding a G sharp. Up a perfect fifth again from A is E, and then we add a D sharp, which is one semitone below E. Then a fifth up from E is B, so we have B major next. Add an A sharp. Up a perfect fifth again for the next key, which would be an F sharp rather than an F natural. We're now in F sharp major after B major. Uh, and then we add an E sharp, which is interesting because E sharp doesn't exist. So when we say E sharp, what we really mean is F natural because those notes are the same. There is no real E sharp. Therefore, a sharpened E would actually be going to F because sharp always means just one semitone up. And one semitone up from E is F. And then up a perfect fifth again from F sharp major. So we would get a C sharp. And then we add a sharp that's a semitone lower than C sharp again, which 
is going to be B sharp, actually, because really one semitone lower than C sharp would be C natural, but that's not actually a sharp. And then B, conveniently enough, doesn't actually have a sharp. There's no such thing as B sharp, really. And again, sharp always means just one semitone higher. So one semitone higher than B is, in fact, actually C. So those are all the sharp keys. All you need to know is up a perfect fifth, and then the sharp that's getting added is one semitone lower than the name of your key. So G major adds an F sharp. D major adds a C sharp. A major adds a G sharp, etc. So now we need to figure out the flat keys. So for flat keys, you can memorize it really in either of these two ways. One is you could look at it as going down by a perfect fifth instead of up by a perfect fifth. Or you could, if you want to keep it all up, you could think of it as going up by a perfect fourth. So down by a perfect fifth, we already covered what a perfect fifth is. That's seven semitones. And up by a perfect fourth, that's five semitones. Either way works. If you do it as down by a perfect fifth, that means one last thing to memorize. You just need to remember perfect fifth, seven semitones, and this time you're just going down. Uh, but for whatever reason, I've always done it by perfect fourths up instead. But whichever one works for you doesn't really matter. But of course, down by a perfect fifth helps you memorize less because then you just need to know perfect fifth. And for sharp keys, you're going up. And for flat keys, you're going down. So for all flat keys, the flat that is added is always going to be another perfect fifth down or another perfect fourth up. Depending on if, if you're going up by a perfect fourth, then just go up another perfect fourth. If you're going down by a perfect fifth, go down by another perfect fifth. So whatever you're doing, whichever direction you're going, double down on that on that thing. Another way to look at this is it's the name of the next flat key. So let's blow through it pretty fast here. Again, we're starting with C major. C major has no sharps or flats. And then we go down a perfect fifth or up a perfect fourth to F major. Because F is a perfect fifth down from C and F is also a perfect fourth up from C. And then we're adding a flat that is going to be one perfect fifth lower than F, which is going to be a B flat. So for F major, we are adding a B flat, which then projects what the next actual key is. Let's stick with perfect fifth uh, for now. So C major went down by a perfect fifth for F major. And then we go down by another perfect fifth to figure out which flat is actually being added for F major. Down a perfect fifth from F is B flat. We also know that to get to the next flat key, we're going down by a perfect fifth. So when we added B flat to F major, we're projecting ahead what the next flat key is actually going to be called. The next flat key is, in fact, B flat major. And then the note we're adding would be a perfect fifth lower than B flat, which would be an E flat, which then projects what the next flat key is, which would be E flat major. E-flat major adds a flat that's one-fifth lower than E-flat, which would be A-flat. Down a perfect fifth is A-flat. Again, 
So that means the next key is A flat major. Down one fifth from there is D flat. So D flat is what is added to A flat major. Also, D flat major is the next key. So on and so forth. There's only like three more left, but I can, I can like feel your boredom. You get it, right? It's very simple. Uh, for the most part, it's just memorize what a perfect fifth is. Know that you go up for sharp keys. And for sharp keys, you're adding the semitone below, whatever the name of the key is. So in A major, you the sharp that's getting added is going to be one semitone lower, which would be G sharp is one semitone lower than A uh, natural. And then for flat, you're just going a perfect fifth down. And the note, the flat note that you're adding to that key is another perfect fifth down rather than simply a uh, semitone down. That's all there is to it. So if you're confused because some of this out loud was maybe a bit much, you could use some graphics or some words or needed to feel like you need to reread something, but you can't reread something in audio form. Although I guess you could have gone back. Be sure to grab the free guide, songwritertheory.com slash music theory guide. It has pictures and stuff to help you learn this stuff. And also, this is just where to start. This is not the way that you're going to think about it forever. The goal is to have a way to figure out keys when you don't have them all memorized, but to memorize them over time. Because... Something I like to compare this to for for knowledge is there's a difference between the level of knowledge that allows you to, say, get a true or false question, right, Uh, versus a multiple choice versus a fill in the blank versus you writing an essay on something with a basic prompt, right? The level of knowledge you need is different. Or for another example, if you've ever tried singing along to a song and you say, oh, I know that song there's many different levels of knowing that song, right? There's the people that know the song just well enough that they can sing a couple of the highlight lines of the chorus along with the track. And then there's one step better, which are people who have the whole chorus memorized, but they don't really know the verses. And then there's the people that can sing along to the track with the verses and the chorus and even the bridge. So they have the lyrics memorized, seemingly, until they have to do a karaoke a karaoke performance or they do a cover of it and they realize they don't have the lyrics as memorized as they thought they did because the audio cues they're getting from sort of listening along to the track and singing along with the lead singer helps them to, in the moment, sort of refigure out each line. But they didn't have it memorized well enough to, you know, get up on a stage, get out their guitar or go to a piano and just perform the song with no track to help them. The level of memorization you need for each of those is significantly different. And you may have learned this the hard way if you ever thought, oh, I can sing along to my favorite artist's song easily in the car. Uh, And then you just try to perform it, and you're like, wow, I didn't have the lyrics as memorized as I thought I did, even though I could sing along every single word with them. Uh, Just because the audio cues kind of just help you figure out the lyrics and you didn't realize that until uh, it was too late and you performed. Uh, I don't know if you've done that, but I've had some version of that for sure. Um, But this is going to be the same thing. 
you can know these slower methods to figure out keys, and that's going to be helpful. But eventually, your goal is to migrate into memorized such that you you don't even really have to think about, okay, so E flat major, let's start with C major, go down, F major, go down, B flat, then E flat. You're not thinking that stuff. Instead, you just know, oh, E flat major, that has a B flat, an E flat, and an A flat. I just know that. Or D major has a C sharp and an F sharp. That's it. The reason that's important is because then it becomes more practical. When music theory becomes practical is when it's ingrained enough such that, let's say you're like, you know what, let's, let's try to write a song in A major. And you can go to the keyboard or the guitar, and you just know and can, can play, and your fingers have the muscle memory of A major means that I have F sharp, C sharp, and G sharp. And I'm not actually thinking about how I know that. I just know that. And I'm not actively thinking about how to figure it out. I just know that E major has F sharp, C sharp, G sharp, and D sharp. In fact, I, I would go one step farther and say, really, you get to the point where you're not even thinking about that. You just look at a, we'll take a keyboard because I think that's the easiest example of this. And for guitar, you're just usually memorizing shapes. So it's actually easier for guitarists here. But as a, as a pianist, you just learn to be like, oh, I, 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 can s I just know the notes that are available to me in E major. I'm not even thinking about the fact that, oh, that's a D sharp and that's a G sharp. No, I'm not even thinking about that. I just know where my fingers can go for E major. And that's really the end goal with this stuff is have it so ingrained that you could, let's say you're a pianist, you could sit at a keyboard and just be like, I'm going to improvise an E major. And you're not thinking about like, oh, is this, I forget, is there, is there a D sharp or is it a D natural? No, you just, you just know the notes you have. You're not even thinking about uh, the, the sharps and flats you have. If anything, for me, now it's maybe a little slower to out loud think through what sharps and flats there are than it is for me to just sit at a keyboard. So I, I could sit at a keyboard and just be like, this is E major without really thinking. And it does require a little bit of thought for me to be like, okay, F sharp, C sharp, G sharp, D sharp. It's so committed to muscle memory though that, that it's, it's actually like slower for me to mentally think about which sharps uh, E major has. To me, that's the end goal. Because that's where music theory really becomes practical. Because a lot of what we do as songwriters is we're improvising. And the best way to improvise well is to understand music theory to the point that it's sort of ingrained in you. You just understand that the five chords transitions powerfully to the one chord. And you just understand that in the context of E major, all the different chords you have, and then the different notes you have, and you can just be playing a melody in your right hand, again, let's just assume piano, and your left hand doing different chords, and you just know what you have. And you can just improvise, and it sounds good, and people in your house that live with you can be like, oh, wow, what's that? That's really pretty. And you could say, I have no idea. I was just messing around, and I will never play that again because I don't even know what I just did. Improvisation is at the heart of songwriting. The best way to get better at improvisation 
remarkably fast is understanding basic music theory, which starts with what we talked about here. If you want to go even deeper, again, songwritingtheory.com slash music theory guide. Totally free. Talks about the four pillars of music theory that I think gets you the most bang for your buck, if you will. There's no actual bucks. Again, it's free. (laughs) But uh, that's intervals, keys, chords, and context of keys and chord progressions. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate every single one of you. And I will talk to you in the next one.